Yeah. 
Five minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday Erev Shabbos. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program.
J.M. in the A.M. A.B.D. You may remember that group out of Canada came out a few years back. That's Anim Zmirot. Uh, before that, you heard the uh, Shlomo Kalbach selection, Acha Shualti. Leva Nefesh with Achenu, Aishas Chayel from the CD entitled Shabbos Tish. Keladon from the cast of the Baal Shem Tov songs. Jory Yikraf from the great Ben Sion Schenker. And, of course, Regesh Modaani opening things up. And we say good morning. It's Friday on the 16th of May and the 16th of ER, the year 5774. Today is day number 31 in the counting of the Omer. That's four weeks and three days. Day number 31, if you forgot to count last night, make sure to do so sometime today. It's Erev Shabbos Parshas Bichu Kosai as we close out the book of Vayikra. Candle lighting time is 747 on this Erev Shabbos. 747. Many synagogues begin earlier. Make sure you know when things start where you are. By the way, we close out the book of Vayikra, which means that this will be a rare year when Parshas Bamidbar will not proceed. It will, it'll proceed, but not immediately proceed the holiday of Shavuos. Got to get Rabbi Heber on to discuss that. <laughs> it's one of those rare years where it won't be Bamidbar and then Shavuos. It'll be Bamidbar and then Nusso and then Shavuos. Sunday is Lagba Omer, which means today one may take a haircut. Yes, a collective round of applause from everybody around the world who actually wants to finally take a haircut today. So today is the Friday before Lagba Omer, when Lagba Omer is on Sunday. So in this situation, haircuts are permitted. And Rabbi Yudin asked me to actually remind everybody about that. I guess he wants everyone to go into Shabbos, uh, you know, well-kempt and uh, looking good. So this coming... Uh, Sunday is Lagba Omer, which means it starts tomorrow night, and haircuts are good for today. 63 degrees outside with 99% humidity, winds of southeast at 8 miles per hour. Rain and wind today with a high 66, the low tonight 56, and tomorrow we'll get into mostly sunny weather, thank goodness, with a high temperature of 73 degrees. Yerushalayim right now at 81, it's a Friday afternoon in the Holy City, and right now we're at the 63 degrees here. In Jersey City, as we say good morning, from 91.1 FM, 90.1 FM in the Catskills. Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial. Around the world on the web, jmandtheam.org.
J.M. and the A.M. Ben Sion Solomon and company off of the CD entitled Rishmuel Bakari Shmo with uh, Lachadodi. Except Saturday with uh, Lachadodi off of Tinu Beginnings, 13 minutes before 7 o'clock Friday morning. It's J.M. and the A.M. getting set for Lagba Omer tomorrow night and Sunday. I wonder how many people in our audience have traveled to Israel to be in Meiron um, for Sunday. Spoke to someone yesterday who uh, lives in Israel and is getting ready for a big uh, Chalukah, I guess what we would call an Upsharon, for this coming Sunday up in Mehron. Uh Anyway, I want to remind everybody that today is day 31 in the counting of the Omer, and I am reminded by Rabbi Kramer that Ashkenazim do take haircuts today. Lagba Omer is Sunday, so Ashkenazim for Shabbos do take haircuts today, but he did remind me that the members of the Sephardic community, the Sephardic part of our audience, um, based on the fact that uh, Lag Bomer, the 33rd day, is Sunday, would not take haircuts until Monday. So if you're in the uh, Ashkenazi community, long lines at the barber today. If you're in the Sephardic community, no lines <laughs> at the barber. Maybe that's the strategy. Maybe that's the strategy. Go to a barber who's in the middle of the Sephardic community. That's a good one. Uh, be a lot easier. 12 minutes before the hour. It's JM in the AM coming up at 7.40 this morning, the weekly update. Malcolm Honline will join us, and we'll get to uh, details about what happened this week in Israel and the Jewish world. Also, a special treat for us. I've been alluding to this all week long. The king himself, and I refer, of course, to the king of Schlock, the great Lenny Solomon. I believe is already in Albuquerque, New Mexico. If he's not, then he's on his way. He'll join us on the air today in the 7 o'clock hour for one very simple reason. The 50th state in his effort to play all 50 states is this Sunday in the state of New Mexico. How do you like that? It's all coming up a little later on this morning, about a half hour from now. We'll connect with Lenny right here at JM in the AM.
J.M. in the A.M. 
Those are the Maccabees with Oseh Shalom. Before that, a bunch of Lachadodis, as one of my uh, callers just pointed out. Yisrael Juskowitz, Shalshelas, Ben Sealed Solomon, and Accept Saturday, all in that streak. A great streak of Lachadodis, I might add, by the way. Day 31 in the counting of the Omer on this Erev Shabbos Parshas Bichu Kosai, and this is America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope. Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial and around the world on the web, jmnam.org. Candle lighting at 747. Don't forget great programming all weekend long, including tomorrow night. Avrami hosts a Lagba Omer Saturday night seagull. I'm sure that'll be amazing, starting at 10 p.m. Eastern time on the stream. And then Matis has a Lagba Omer JM Sunday with special guest Ellie Gerstner and great parade plans. All Sunday morning at jmdm.org. Galitzal Israel Army Radio News is next. Galitzal Ashashtein kan shibel karmi mansur imashekore achshav. בוושינגטון אומרים שהם מודאגים מהקשיים במסע ומתן מול איראן. כתבתנו נעמה ארטשיק. בכיר בממשל בארצות הברית אמר היום לסוכנות הידיעות רויטרס כי השיחות איטיות וקשות ונשארו פערים רבים בין הצדדים. הוא הוסיף כי הוא חושש שקצב ההתקדמות של הצדדים מסכן את הסיכויים להגיע להסכם התאריך היעד בסוף יולי. היום צפוי להסתיים סבב השיחות הנוכחי בין איראן לשש המעצמות. ושר ההגנה של ארצות הברית שק הגל מבטיח לא נאפשר לאיראן לייצר נשק גרעיני. הגל נועד מוקדם יותר עם ראש הממשלה נתניהו ועם הנשיא פרס. אני מבטיח לך, ראש הממשלה, ולעם ישראל, שנמשיך במחויבות שלנו למנוע מאיראן להשיג נשק גרעיני, כפי שאמר הנשיא אובמה, כך שר ההגנה האמריקני. את הדברים הביא כתבינו רום ליאור וישי שנרפ. חשד לאונס קבוצתי של נערה בת 16 בנתניה, מדווחת כתבתנו הדס שטייף. באמצע השבוע הגיעה נערה בת 16 למשטרת נתניה וסיפרה כי היא עברה אונס קבוצתי. הנערה סיפרה כי צעיר עמו יצאה מספר שבועות, הזמין אותה לבילוי במלון בעיר. כשהיא הגיעה לשם, המתין לה חברה יחד עם עוד כמה צעירים מחבריו. לטענתה, החבר איים עליה והכריח אותה לקיים יחסי מין עם החברים. אתמול הוא נעצר והבוקר הובא להארכת מעצרו. באשדוד נפצעה קשה אישה כבת שבעים מפגיעת קטנוע, הרוכב נפצע קל. בחיפה מת היום מפצעיו קשיש בן שמונים ושמונה שנפגע אתמול בידי משאית. כך מסרו כתבינו רמי שני וקובי מנדל. משרד החינוך חושד במורה מהמרכז שפגע בתואר בחינות הבגרות. כתבתנו יערה ברק. המורה ככל הנראה העביר את טופסי בחינת הבגרות באנגלית לתלמידים אתמול, עוד לפני שהחל המבחן, ועדיין לא ברור בכמה תלמידים מדובר. מנכ"לית משרד החינוך מיכל כהן הורתה להגיש תלונה למשטרה בעניין, ועד שתסתיים החקירה המורה מושעה מטיפול בכל הקשור בבחינות הבגרות. מזג האוויר מחר תורגש הקלה בעומס החום. אלה החדשות שעורך אילי לוין, בצוות שירה הראל ואבי כהן. Thank 
J.M. and the A.M. getting ready for Log Bomer here at the J.M. and the A.M. That's right. If you're in Spot right now or in Mayron, tuned in on our app or on a laptop or computer, thank you. If you're traveling in Israel anywhere, listening in in your car, thank you, thank you, thank you. It's amazing how we keep hearing from people who are tuned in around the world. What an amazing feeling. Friday morning on this day 31 in the counting of the Omer, the Ashkenazi community does Take haircuts today. The Sparta community waits till Monday. It's Arab Shabbos Parshas Bichu Kosai with candlelighting at 747. Many synagogues begin earlier. Make sure you know when things start where you are. Everyone's getting set for a big Lag Bomer. Ten minutes away from checking in with the King of Shalak, Lenny Solomon. The King himself is getting ready for his 50th state in his effort to play all 50 states of the U.S. Ten minutes away. Lenny Solomon coming up right here at JM in the AM.
in the AM, the King of Schlock from a Shabbat in Liverpool with Akel Adon. And this Shabbat, the King of Schlock is going to be not in Liverpool. He'll be in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Lenny Solomon, welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you very much, Nachum. It's great to be here. Lenny announced a few weeks ago that his dream of playing all 50 states was about to come true. He had done, I don't know, 43, 44 states. He was missing places like Mississippi and North Dakota and Wyoming and New Mexico, believe it or not. Some people think there's a big Jewish community in New Mexico that you would have been at before, but you had not been there before. And this coming Sunday, with this show in Albuquerque, it's number 50, Mazal Tov, King. Thank you very much. It is such a exciting time. This when- is probably... The most exciting tour that I've ever done, I think. When you got to Virgi- when you got to West Virginia at the beginning of May, you had never played West Virginia before. Correct. All of the states we've played on this trip have been, or we I've played on this trip has been, have been um, states that I never were in. So we started off with Charleston, West Virginia. Then I, then I went to Hattiesburg, Mississippi, and Fargo, North Dakota. So that was last week. How are the how are the kosher fast food restaurants in Hattiesburg, Mississippi? Are they really let's good? Just, let's just say you look for a lot of OU salmon and sardines <laughs> and tuna. <laughs> <laughs> then you go to Fargo, North Dakota. I, I can't believe that was state number forty six. North Dakota must have been an. Yes. It, you know, you could write a book at this point about where you've been around this country. Yeah, I think so. I think so. And then, this, he, and then this week you start off in Laramie, Wyoming, and I was told that that was a uh, a very intimate show. Well, it was. There was thirty people there, 
Um, well, you know, each one of these shows I was expecting between 20 and 50. There aren't that many people right. to to have, you know. But we started off in Laramie, Wyoming, which was actually at a proper theater. They got a proper theater, but and it held 400 people, but there were only 30 people in the audience. <laughs> but it didn't, it didn't matter. The people had such a great time. And then the next day we played Bozeman, Montana. Oh, gosh, wow. And then we played Boise, Idaho. Boise, Idaho, we had 90 people. Unbelievable. So that was, that was kind of nice. You probably met a lot of JM and the AM listeners on this tour, I would bet. I did, and I'm actually wearing my JM and the AM um, baseball uh, sweat T-shirt right now. Woo, there you go. I'm sure a lot of those folks watched the Kosher Halftime Show this past January, this past February. Believe it or not, some of them came up to me and they knew Hine Matov because of that. Oh, oh my gosh, Letty, amazing. Uh, Letty Solomon, the king of schlock, is with us. After Bozeman, Montana, you spent, what was it, Wednesday night in Boise, Idaho? Wednesday night we were in, uh, in uh, yeah, that was Wednesday night, was after Boise, right. So we performed in Boise, Idaho, and we had a great thing happen. Somebody brought me a box of matzah <laughs> for Pesach Shane <laughs> in Boise. Somebody from New York sent over somebody who lives in Boise, and they came to the show, and in the middle of the show, they hold up Stripes Unsalted Matzahs, which is one of the lyrics of my song, I've Got My Own Seder too. Unbelievable. It's very funny. I was going to ask you if you have your own Pesach Shaney song, but you have at least that one, that's for sure. <laughs> right. And then, so that was state number 49. That must have been a crazy feeling, you know, like knowing that you're almost at the finish line. 49 must have been a big one. It was. It was very exciting. I tell you, it's, it's been very exciting. And, and we've driven around. Uh, I'm actually on the road in the, the second week with Eitan G. Right. Um, from L.A. And we dr- we've driven 2,500 miles. Unbelievable. It's a big country, huh, Lenny? It is. And there's a lot of empty spaces, which I didn't realize. I mean, just to go from Idaho to New Mexico, you just pass a lot of, you know, empty no 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 population ain't much happening out there the king of schlock is with us this coming sunday in albuquerque new mexico if you want you could be there at chabad of albuquerque on saint pedro drive northeast because that's when it happens officially just like cal ripkin it became official when he when he completed five innings of his uh, 2131st game it becomes right. it becomes official with the first note at 4 30 p.m local time in albuquerque new mexico on log bomer itself that's when lenny solomon will officially officially have completed his quest of playing in all 50 states. That's going to be quite a moment. I hope they bring a lot of confetti to the Chabad of, uh, of uh, Albuquerque. I, I uh, will see what they have planned, but we're going to be there for Shabbat. And, uh, you know, the Chabad rabbi knows we're coming for Shabbat. Are you, doing, nice. are you doing Liverpool tonight? You know what? I don't know. It's, it's a possibility. But, you know, the Kras... The Kraz, who's my next-door neighbor, has his kids' bar mitzvah. I actually taught bar mitzvah lessons, too. And he wants me to do Liverpool that Shabbat, which is coming up in three weeks. Very but, nice. Um, I don't know if we're going to do Liverpool tonight. So if anyone's in Beit Shemesh three Shabbatot from now, you'll be doing it then. Right, right. And then to top this all off, you're not just leaving town after this whole uh, 
50 State Tour. You're actually going to be stopping by the Lehigh Valley Iron Pigs, uh, who are a minor league baseball team in Pennsylvania. Thursday night, this coming Thursday night, they have Jewish Heritage Night, and you'll be performing before the game starting at 5 p.m. We, we actually want to be there. I'm trying to figure out a way that I can get my kids out of school and drive out there to Lehigh Valley just, just to get the Iron Pigs um, cap in Hebrew. I think that would be a very cool Hebrew cap to have, Lenny. Well, it will be. I mean, maybe I'll pick one up for you if, uh, <laughs> if you're not there. But I'll tell you that that's for the Allentown Jewish community. It was very nice that they uh, they recommended that the, this is a Philadelphia Phillies AAA farm team. Cool. And they and they called us to uh, to do this Jewish Heritage Night. So, so Phillies AAA. Anybody who goes who's not just a Schlockrock fan, if you're a baseball fan, you're going to see a real team, a real game. Yes, they're playing the Toledo Mudheads. Oh my! The legendary Toledo Mudheads. From Nash. Unbelievable. Right? All right, so that's Thursday night. You'll start at 5, and the game will start at 7 p.m. this coming Thursday night. We may surprise you. If I could pull this off, I want to be there so badly. So we may surprise you, Letty. Okay, I'm looking forward. So there you have it, folks. There you have it. 50 states. It all wraps up this coming Logba Omer on Sunday at 4.30 p.m. in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Lenny Solomon, I wish I was with you to present you with a big trophy after this accomplishment. Well, thank you very much. I just want you to know that, to me, it's unbelievable because it, it, it really, the Jews have been scattered to the four corners of the world, and, you know, I, I like to think that that's Schlagrock's mission, which is to reach out to everybody. Oh, no question about it. I was speaking to uh, Yigal Siegel earlier this morning, and he sends regards, by the way, and it's obvious that we, he and I, and I'm sure many others, feel this has international implications. The effect that you have had over all these decades on people as you travel through the 50 states and beyond around this globe is just Amazing. And Lenny, if you had to sum it up, wouldn't that be the, uh, I, I don't want to say the mission, maybe that puts too much pressure on you, but wouldn't you say that's one of the most amazing uh, results of uh, you traveling around these 50 states, that you're able to influence so many people and really give them some real Jewish pride and a good attitude toward their tradition and heritage? Yeah, it's, it's, it's absolutely correct. And that's what makes it so exciting. It, it, it's really, a, it, to me, it's like... You know, it is like the Cal Ripken thing or getting 3,000 hits in baseball. It's a, it's a longevity thing. We've been, you know, to Australia seven times and South Africa nine times and England and Mexico and Canada. And um, it's, it's, it just means that Hashem designated myself to, to, to take on this job. I didn't even plan it. It's unbelievable. I want you to have someone snap a photo at the moment that you start playing on Sunday so we could post on uh, Facebook the exact minute that the record became official, please. Okay, will do. And uh, by the way, are you aware of what your uh, NHL hockey team is doing while you're away? Yes, I, I actually have. <laughs> I am. <laughs> Not bad, huh? Well, let's see how far we can go. Uh, Lenny's one of those nervous Ranger fans. He knows the he knows the floor is about to drop. <laughs> I hope not. I hope not. I know. I'm just kidding around. Lenny, Shabbat Shalom. Enjoy Albuquerque and Mazel Tov to you. Thank you, and we I look forward to seeing you in studio or in Allentown or or, or both. Uh, Bezrat Hashem. Thank you so much. There he is, Lenny Solomon. That's that's my dream. I want to I want to charter a bus and get people to come on out to the uh, Iron Pigs game on Thursday night in Lehigh Valley to enjoy Schlock Rock. It's a shame it takes almost an entire Thursday to do that. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't think it's going to happen, but uh, it would be 
pretty remarkable. There he is, Lenny Solomon, 50 states. It all wraps up after this incredible week that he's had in Mississippi and North Dakota and Wyoming and Montana and Idaho. It all wraps up in New Mexico this coming Sunday, 7.30 in the morning, Friday. This is JM in the AM. For
Yitzchak Fuchs, Anna Bakoach, Shlomo Katz with Curry Bone. You heard Lenny Solomon, Tormi Shalom. I want to thank Lenny and wish him a Mazel Tov on the 50th state this coming Sunday when he plays New Mexico. I'm telling you, I'm already hearing from people who would love to be part of that trip Thursday to go out to Lehigh Valley to see the Iron Pigs play and to see Lenny perform before the game. I don't think it's going to work out, but boy, would I love to be there. That would be a lot of fun. What a way to spend a Thursday, huh? Assemblyman Michael Samanowitz invites everybody in Queens to a community health and services fair happening this Sunday from 11 a.m. until 2 p.m. at the Electrical Industry Center Auditorium on Parsons Boulevard in Flushing. Information, you can call Assemblyman Samanowitz's office at area code 718-969-1508. 718-969-1508. For information, weekly update in a moment. Want to wish a Mazel Tov. Couple of Mazel Tovs. First of all, Yonatan Shlomo Katz. He has his big Bar Mitzvah celebration coming up on Lagba Omer at Antinek. To Dina and Ari and the entire Kent Masora family and the Yeshiva Boys Choir family. We say Mazel Tov, Yonatan Shlomo. We look forward to seeing you on the Sunday. And tomorrow, the Bar Mitzvah of Yehuda Rosenbaum. To Bela and Maish Rosenbaum, a special Mazel Tov. We look forward to seeing them tomorrow. Bezrat Hashem on the Lower East Side of Manhattan. Anybody who's ever walked into Akoba Sefer Judaica up in uh, the Catskills, you'll have a chance over the next few months to wish Maisha Mazel Tov on the Big Bar Mitzvah. So Mazel Tov Yehuda Rosenbaum from all of us here at JM in the AM. Lagba Omer is Sunday. Haircuts legal today, at least in the Ashkenazi community, as Rabbi Kramer pointed out earlier. Tzarev Shabbos Parshas Bechu Kosai with candle lighting at 747. Make sure you know when things start where you are. I want to thank our friends at JewishWorldReview.com who continue to enthusiastically recommend our incredible live stream to their thousands and thousands and hundreds of thousands of readers. Check them out. Always good for an Arab Shabbos to print out a million articles to read over Shabbos. You'll find plenty of news and commentary there at JewishWorldReview.com. Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations joins us each Friday here for the weekly update. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM in the AM. Oh, good morning to you, Nachum. Nice to speak with you, sir. Uh, a lot of news out there. And, you know, I know I've been doing a lot of feel-good news stories recently, especially in light of the excuse me, period of time of uh, Yom Atzmaut and Yom Yerushalayim coming up, and we've spoken a lot, thank God, over the last couple of weeks about some of the feel-good stories. And there's a lot happening that's not feel-good out there, but I'm going to start with this feel-good story this week. It is amazing to me, and I think I joked or alluded to it last week. It is amazing to me when in discussion about this terrible tragedy 
of the kidnapping of the Christian girls in Nigeria. I was, again, somewhat tongue-in-cheek recommending the Israelis get in there and solve the problem. But there are national personalities out there that are actually, in, in a very serious form, saying that the only ones who can go in there and solve this are the Americans and or the Israelis. Put that into the context of history, Malcolm. Who could have imagined a few decades ago that people would think the place to turn to to save young girls in a remote part of the world would be the state of Israel? Well, unfortunately, Israel's had a lot of experience uh, forced upon it, not because it wanted it, but because of uh, where it is and, and uh, because of the responsibilities it has uh, to the, its citizens. It is uh, most regrettable that this situation has developed as it is. I mean, it, it is a, a potential tragedy, but we don't know how many other people have been kidnapped before. Uh, this was done on a dramatic scale. It was meant to send a message, and it's been highlighted in the international press, but it isn't new. Boko Haram, this group, has been around for a long time, and for many years the U.S., the Europeans, didn't want to declare them a terrorist entity and a terrorist group. Uh, we have uh, a fleet of drones sitting in Niger, which could have been implemented and used to track, uh, even though it's you know difficult because of the setting and the forestry, and you're talking about huge country and huge uh, amount of land, but it, 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 it isn't that, that we couldn't have, that the international community couldn't have done something more, and certainly the government of uh, Nigeria could have done more. And the fact that they turned to Israel, even though many people are reluctant, many countries are reluctant to accept assistance, they often accept guidance or do it quietly uh, from Israel, uh, because Again, the expertise, if you remember when the Kenyan, right. the attack in Kenya, many other Do you places. think Israel's playing a secret role right now? What I, I, well, I know that they have been in touch with the government of Nigeria. So there's no question that they're somewhat involved. And even the U.S., in situations like this, would turn to Israel. They would never go ahead and, uh, and, and you know, uh, uh, turn to a smaller country when, of course, it's, you know, the great world superpower of the United States that's supposed to be taking care of these things. Well, you know that in, in a lot of areas of foreign aid, countries, including the United States, turn to Israel because Israel's experience in things like post-harvest reclamation or uh, agriculture, water preservation um, uh, and reclamation in uh, solar energy and many other areas, because Israel's experience as a smaller country and uh, in its particular circumstance, uh, in what did the Paris always call it, the desertification, that they have experience that no other country has. Uh, when we took these uh, the central bankers from six African countries, they said at the end of the trip, you can keep Europe, even the United States, just give us Israel because their experience is so relevant. And what they have developed in so many areas is so pertinent to the problems being faced by other countries as well. Right. So just think if Israel, all these stupid boycotts and these other things, yep. how many people would benefit, how much the Arab world could benefit from Israel. And quietly, they are from Israeli high-tech inventions, from many of the advances in, in agriculture, in water, etc. Oh, if they'd let Israel peacefully just continue to develop, it's amazing what it could provide for the world. And again, just to emphasize, when I said feel-good story, obviously it's a tragic story, a horrible story, a terrible story, but the feel-good part is the Jewish pride, the Israeli pride, that, uh, that you know, when you look back, like I say, compared to decades ago or centuries ago, you look back and, and look who the leader of the world is when it comes to episodes like this and trying to solve them. It's pretty amazing. Um, 
Well, one of the not feel good stories of the week, of course, is the sentencing of former Prime Minister Ehud Olmert. Uh, I think based on the way you've examined this for us, you would not have been surprised by the sentence, right? It was essentially within the guidelines that the judge was dealing with to begin with, correct? Correct. And, uh, and we'll see yet. Uh, he, he will be appealing his sentence, and the outcome you know, will, will probably be months off. Do you think it'll be any different? Well, they could reduce the sentence. There are a lot of people pressing for him to have community service uh, People say, you know, that he he has to be in isolation there because, for one thing, he has state secrets. Second, he'd be obviously a target. And uh, they're talking about a a wing and where other people just from the case would be or people who have been uh, vetted would be allowed to to be in the same area. But the question is whether he'll he'll be required to start serving the sentence now or do they wait until the uh, appeal? I think that they put it off now till September. Uh, before he would have to go to start serving his term. Can I uh, assume that since his indictment all the way back then, you've had at least one or two private conversations with him? Well, I have, but I was also called to testify in the case. So I had direct involvement uh, in it, and um, it was minor, and it did not impact the outcome, I think. But it was... uh, you know, I saw the setting, and frankly, it was not the most serious uh, court case I've ever seen. Um, the, the other thing is, of course, you know, that the fact that uh, Sheila Zakin uh, yeah. turned on him, and that says that she has much more information yet to come. I don't know if in an appeal they can introduce nor- new information, uh, but you remember that you saw that she was sentenced to 11 months in right. prison uh, as part of a plea bargain. So she thinks that she can get even that reduced? She will not get. I don't think she she will get that. Even with whatever information she, it she was has. a plea bargain, so they accepted it, but it doesn't mean she serves all the eleven. Right. Uh, but she point. signed a plea bargain with the prosecution just before the judge was to announce the verdict in the trial, and she turned state's evidence, so she got a reduction in sentence, and um, and and the you know this is related to the Polanski Rishon tours, everything else too. It's. As you said, not the uh, not the best story out there. Um, and then toss in the other news story this week on this side of the world yes. of people in the Jewish community accused of uh, funneling twelve and a half million dollars from a special education fund, and it was quite a week, you'd have to say, right? Well, unfortunately, it was, it was only one case, and uh, there's too much, and there has to be some reckoning. Yeah, that's for sure. By the way, the reason I asked about private conversations with Olmert is someone mentioned to me that he was confident he would again become Prime Minister of Israel. Now I assume that would be impossible. But do you? But can you, without revealing too much of the private conversation, can you, can you verify that, that it's likely yeah. that he, he really thought he'd be Prime Minister again? In the beginning of the trial, after he got off on several of the charges, he was convinced, I think, that he would get off on this. Sometimes you become arrogant, which is what leads to doing these acts. Right. Uh, Sometimes necessity may, may uh, generate it, uh, a motivation to, to cut the corners or to take actions, and you get deeper and deeper into it. Um, I, I can tell you that I dealt with him hundreds of times during his tenure as, as mayor, inviting him to New York, having him here, and he never asked for anything, ever. ever. So, and, and many other people have expressed the same uh, thing. So here you have a case that develops. I guess the opportunity presented itself uh, for significant uh, 
remuneration for, for facilitating the developments uh, pro project at the Holy Land, and, uh, and they succumbed to it. But I think certainly he believed early on that he was going to be exonerated and would come back to head one of the parties wow. and uh, be prime minister again. Was that your testimony, by the way? He never asked for anything ever? Was that the essential part of your testimony? That was an essential part of my testimony. <laughs> That's why they summoned me, because originally it was the police that asked me. But that would be the uh, soundbite from the I testimony. I would say that was the soundbite. <laughs> All right. Um, the trip to Japan that the Prime Minister of Israel uh, took, uh, how significant was it uh, a week later? Well, he's still there. He's still traveling. Oh, he's still in Japan? He's returned way back, actually. Wow. Uh, today. Man knows how to vacation. <laughs> it's no vacation, believe me. It works very hard in, when he travels, uh, and, and this was a very important visit. Japan is a critical country, and the fact that they could uh, hold this press conference and identify the common challenges the two countries face from hostile enemies and said that they would work together um, on defense security and other issues. Uh, Japan is still an economic powerhouse. Its, it's um, developments in high-tech and, and other areas are uh, certainly coincident with uh, Israel's development. What was the security comparison he made? He said, we have Iran, and you have, what was it, North Korea? North Korea? I think it was North Korea, North Korea. and the, the challenge of the islands, you know, right. where they're being threatened. So, the, uh, and the, uh, so they talked about the common challenges and opportunities and experience, again, that Israel has to offer. It is part of that remarkable story that you allude to that people don't know, don't want to hear about, but countries look and say this country this little country is going to be water sufficient maybe the first to reach the status as it is without the natural resources it's going to be energy sufficient it's going to it is certainly um, pioneering the way in security and in high tech areas and it becomes very desirable unbelievable the whole thing is incredible you would say now and again, I don't know if there's a way to evaluate this. Israel has a better relationship with China than with Japan, or vice versa, or the two are so dissimilar that you couldn't even compare? They're not, they're not comparable. It's a, it's a different relationship. The relationship with China is becoming more and more intense. The number of visitors from China went up 30% this year, wow. alone this past year. And the, the, um, the intensity of the relationship between in the high-tech sector, where much of the manufacturing for the products that Israel is developing is taking place in China. And every week you have delegations from China coming to invest, to, to, uh, to get into the, to, to um, partner with Israeli uh, high-tech companies and others. It's a, it's a remarkable story. Unbelievable. And the Chinese people, by the way, you know, see themselves as the Jews of China. They, there are Judaic studies departments in many of the major universities in China. Talmud. Yes, they do not look Jewish. Right, but <laughs> Talmud is a big... Uh... So that's Korea. Where oh, is Talmud, that Korea? That's... Uh, was uh, 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 put in ho hotel rooms, Man. and uh, you have a, a Talmud hotel, in fact. But the point is they're saying, look how the Jews have what they've accomplished. Is that what's the secret? The secret is the Talmud. It is true in other countries also, but sometimes it's presented in the most nefarious way, and 
others in a positive way. And if they knew what was really in the Talmud, they would all be celebrating it. Mm, good point. I can't keep track of my countries anymore, Malcolm. I'm, I'm in such a rut, you can't imagine. Uh, yes, I can. Last week, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> last, last, <laughs> last week I said Ehud Barak said that Israel can knock out Iran in a day when it was really the U.S. Yesterday I asked President Richard Joel about the fencing team instead of the tennis team that made the national headlines with the NCAA and the postponement for Shabbos. I'm completely off my game. No, you were predicting. That's what it was. I tell you, I'm in such a rut. I don't know what mistakes I may make in the rest of this conversation. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial and around the world in the web, jmnam.org. You, you saw the um, dismantling of Malay Rechavam this week. Does it come, when it comes down to the, you know, the small towns that try to develop and, you know, people move in and, and we essentially know how it works. I'm sure you've toured many of the places like I have. Um, is it, does it basically come down to whether there was permission, whether there was, um, you know, a permit granted to go ahead and set things up? Or depending on the situation, it could be a lot more complicated than that. Look, all these situations are very complicated, very sensitive, arouse all sorts of reactions and concerns, but the law is the law, and it has to be upheld, but it has to be upheld universally. And, you know, we had the case of, of Palestinians rioting, and, in fact, today you have the funeral of two of them, and everybody's right. on high alert in, right. uh, in the area because of it. Uh, so government has a responsibility to, to uphold the law and so people, and that leads to situations like this when you have a clash of different perceptions of what what is really required for Israel's security. But legally, is it usually just a permit issue? And if they, if people were able to prove that they were permitted to be there, you know, their lawyers could go in and, and argue the case and get permission, or is it, or there's so many other factors, militarily, the neighbors, the reaction, there's so much else that every situation is completely different. Well, these things should all be taken into account, but it's it's not just what a court orders. It's what the the government zoning requires. It's what um, security can can uh, accord. Right. You know, you have to protect the, these communities as well. So yes, there are other considerations, but uh, you know, it's an un- certainly an unpleasant uh, scene to see when you have to send in Israeli troops to remove Jews from a uh, right. But as you've always that said, that arouses a lot of reaction. Yeah, of course. But as you've always said, anyone who thinks that uh, it's a very that's a simplistic situation, think again because it's very complicated. Um, you know, there's an election in Syria coming up on June 3rd. Yes, I do, and uh, I could make a wild prediction about who the winner will be. You could win a bundle in Vegas on this one. Uh, I'll bet. <laughs> <laughs> but they pay you in the Syrian currency, which is not worth very much. The um, Look, Syria today is going through the, the still the chevle uh, of, the, of the, all of the things of the revolution, all of the problems and all of the pangs and pains of the revolution, even though we don't read about it so much. There have been major, major developments. You know, there's a city, Raqqa, which we talked about because it's, it's in northern Syria and key to some of the oil regions, and the uh, ISIS, the Islamic uh, in Iraq and Syria, which is really uh, a Nusra-type group, um, has created training facilities, infrastructure for foreign terrorist operate, operatives where they're training people, and the belief amongst a lot of security people is that we're going to see the results as they target outside the Middle East. There's already several plots that have been uncovered. You see the use of the chlorine gas 
and now it turns out that these may be coming from Iran that purchased 10,000 canisters uh, from from China. The the fact that the government has consolidated its position in many areas and reports that that Iran is recruiting thousands of people from Afghanistan now guys who fought in Afghanistan and they're paying them $500 a month and offering them residence in, in Iran for going to fight in, uh, in in Syria. And you've had uh, many uh, reassessments about how we have approached this whole issue of Syria from the beginning. Uh, you know, France arrested six jihadists yesterday and they admitted that they have 300 in Syria, French citizens fighting in Syria, 130 in transit. And I think they said another 130 who have returned. Now, you know how long I, I've talked about this yep. on the air and try to... And, and not just France. You said multiple countries will working, work. Right. On many European countries right. and the United States. And you see then this kind of, of uh, admission on the part of the government of France. But you can replicate it all over Europe and the United States. And they travel with U.S. and European passports. Where in the United States? All over the United States. Including... Where are coming from? There was a group from Calgary, Canada yesterday... They admit that a group went, and they were too late to stop them, but they said that this is as Canadian as, as maple syrup and as American as apple pie to join this, the Syrian revolution. They're going there as, as some, with some ideological motivation, but they're coming back as trained jihadists, trained killers. And the, uh, I saw Fabius, the foreign minister of, of France this week uh, speaking here, said that the U.S., France, the U.K., all erred in not taking the military action that had been planned to strike in the Damascus region, you remember uh, two, uh, two years ago when they could have, a year ago when they could have uh, um, acted, and uh, we reached an accord over the, the chemical weapons. But in fact, much of the chemical weapon infrastructure remains, in the, and Syria has not destroyed it, and the, they, they still retain a percentage of the chemical weapons and are using now the, the, um, the chlorine gas. And the point is that that while they try to, we, we, we try to believe and we hope that all these arrangements are, are leading to a more stable situation. The fact is that it won't, and, and Assad uh, is going to win. There's no doubt that, that he's going to uh, be reelected, and many people believe that's probably the best thing because you can't imagine now uh, Syria coming into even a greater degree of, of instability or where increasingly the extremists of al-Qaeda and other groups are dominating the rebel uh, efforts. You know, i got to ask you a question. I mentioned to you off the air that Albert Alaham, owner of Reserve Cut, was here this week. So he, he, when, he, when they left Syria in 1999, 7,500 Jews left, and that was it. There were no, essentially no Jews left. You know, he says now maybe a handful are left in the country. So let's say, for argument's sake, it's the same number that are now in Iran. Why is it that that effort in the late 90s was successful to convince Syrian Jews to finally get out, and the efforts today or in the last few years to convince the same of Iranian Jews fails? Well, the situations uh, are never completely comparable. And remember, for, for many years, the Syrian Jews that didn't have the ability, and through efforts that we were all engaged in for many years on behalf of the Syrian Jews and the intervention of the American government, which we uh, arranged, that the opportunity presented itself, and you have a state of Israel that was able to take them, and they could move quickly across the border. There were ways uh, for them to, to get out. When uh, I visited Syria right before the fighting, and another Alahem, Joey Alahem, was involved, went there to look at the, at the synagogues 
and uh, there had been a commitment from the government right, to right. refurbish the synagogues and right. rebuild them. And unfortunately, today, many of them are, are, have been taken over by rebels and others uh, in difficult uh, situations. But the, the there were a few Jews there, and they said, look, our life is good. We have no reason to leave. And people could go back and forth. People, Syrian Jews who had left, would go back. Some had businesses, some still had property there, etc. In Iran, you know, there's... there's such a long tradition, is such a long history, and people feel very Iranian. Jews feel Iranian. Even Jews who come here retain that cultural identity and, and speak Farsi and teach their children, and they, they retain that culture, which is, uh, I'm not being critical, I'm, right. I think it's amazing it's a fact, right? how they've done it. Right. But people are reluctant in every circumstance to leave because of the difficulties that they will face, and the immigration process is not always easy. Uh, Second of all, they, they, they get nothing for their property, for what they have. And many elderly people, especially, or poor feel, what will they face? At least in the, their circumstances, they have medical care. They, they know where they are. They don't know where they're going to go, what so, the circumstance they will So be. until they get to that, if I don't get out now moment, you know, until they get to that stage, yes. a lot of people will not move. And unfortunately, it, it's human nature. I don't think it's just... Jewish right. human nature, but Jews have faced this repeatedly. Many Jews in Germany didn't want to believe it, didn't want to get out. That, and, until then, they can't get out. And, right. and the ones that did felt that it, that it was that moment, that if I don't get it. Foresight right. to, to recognize and overcome the resistance that is natural on the part of people. And I know that you know Iranian Jews have, are aware of it. And they Are you still in close contact with community leaders in Iran? I don't want to talk about it. All righty. Um, I read that there is an amazing increase in ultra-nationalist parties in Europe. It's hard for me to believe that in 2014 it's any different than it was 30 or 40 years ago in European parliaments. Am I right or wrong? Well, first of all, you're right. This is a very uh, disturbing and and worrisome situation. Um, We've tried to address it for a long time, both with our European counterparts and just this past week with the leaders of the French Jewish community and then yesterday with the people from the Ukraine and from other countries uh, in Europe, uh, where you have, uh, as you said, European parliamentary elections coming up. It is possible that these extremist parties could get 20%, even 25% by some predictions. I think it will be a little lower of the vote. In, could, co- in countries like? Like, well, you have Jobbik in Hungary, you have Golden Dawn in, in, um, in Greece, you have in in France, the Le Pen, you have in many countries, uh, Gerald Wilders in, in Holland, they're not all the same. They don't hold the same views. There are different degrees of, of anti-Semitism. But wasn't it the same in the 60s and 70s? Well, you had them, but first of all, they weren't as vocal. They didn't play the same role, and they're playing on the instability, economic and other instabilities in these countries, like Greece, which has gone through this terrible period. And the government of Greece, by the way, which has been outstanding, both in their relations with Israel, with Jews, their efforts to, to clamp down on Golden Dawn in Hungary, we see a much more mixed record while they denounce the anti-Semitism. The fact is that officials of Jobbik are now getting into key positions. And the, the, uh, in each country it is different, but the trend is very disturbing. And if they could form, they, they can't be a block because they're different parties and I think the differences, but they could be an informal block or, 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 and vote on issues that would introduce these radical ideas and, and positions into the into Europe. We've seen these trends, the growth of anti-Semitism, the study that was released 
and people can disagree, agree on different aspects of right. it, but the trend is certainly... What growth do the Muslim communities, what, what role does the growth of the Muslim communities in these countries have to do with the growth of these parties? Well, so a lot of this is a reaction to, to the Muslim uh, population, the growth of Muslim population, visibility, etc., but the... <laughs> I think that they would probably exist regardless. They existed before you had a Muslim population, even if not in the numbers. And you see that they play off the reaction to the on the immigration issue, other issues that uh, become even uh, more prominent and, and a rallying points uh, for them. And then you have the radicalism that the Muslim po- is, is present in the Muslim populations as well. It's not related to this, but it is of great concern when cities, major cities in Europe, Brussels, I know 35% Muslim, others, and, and amongst those populations, you have increasing radicalization as evidenced by those going to Syria, as evidenced by uh, um, reports from Germany, from Scandinavia, from other places where you wouldn't expect it, that, that it's, all, it's being manifest across Europe today. How does it affect the premiership in some of these countries? Uh, do, do, do the prime ministers of these countries or leaders of the countries, whether it be president or prime minister today, do they fear that uh, their own popularity may go down if the popularity of these parties and their government goes up? Yes. In many cases, yes. Even in big countries where sometimes when, you, when 10% of the population or more is, is, um, are Muslims and the, they have to be sensitive before an election, although uh, you know countries like France and, uh, and uh, Italy, others have had very pro-Israel governments, the government of Greece, uh, which is somewhat different, has been very pro-Israel, um, because they are the Muslims come, but they really use it to transverse into other countries. So they come through Bulgaria, they come through many countries. Uh, once they're in Europe, because of the European Union, they can travel from Poland to many countries, from Hungary to many countries. Right. But the Prime Minister of Hungary spoke to me about this years ago, about the growth of the Muslim population, his concerns, and not because they're Muslim, but because of the radicalization. And, and in France, in particular, you see how severe, but we've seen it in England, the plots, the activities. Uh, yeah, that's it. It is another factor in this. Are there Jewish members of the French parliament? I don't know if it's... Sure. There are Jewish members of the French parliament? There are Jewish members of all the parliament. Every European parliament has Jewish members. I don't know if every, but... Yeah, yeah but I'm, you know what I'm saying. It's, it's, it's not uncommon to find Jewish members no, of European parliament. And speaking uh, of... Charles, the, the uh, current prime minister... His wife is Jewish. Uh, if you remember, Sarkozy's uh, right. grandparents were. So while it does get raised, yes, Jews and those of Jewish descent are present. And on the subject of presidents and prime ministers, you know that Prime Minister Netanyahu is correct that it's time to abolish the presidency of Israel, right? I'm not sure. Really? Not bad give me, give me the argument. Give me the argument on the other side to keep it. <clears throat> I think that uh, having somebody who's above politics who can, you know, serve as a figurehead to to represent the state, the country, in uh, in ceremonial and other ways, and can be a unifying force. The prime ministers, because of the system, is always going to be caught in coalition politics right. and intensity. And a president who can uh, unite the people and become uh, someone uh, who can serve in, in very many positive uh, ways as an influence, both in government but, but in representing the country. Look, Shimon Peres, whatever reservations some people have about him, the fact is not only his service to the country, but the, in the world as a, as a whole, he is seen as in a very positive 
and and constructive uh, way because of his life achievements, his positions, his uh, the way he articulates, you know, nanotechnology and many other things that he has fostered uh, over the years. Uh, you know, so, if you were asked to decide, you would say keep it. Uh, look, I don't know if it's economically uh, justified, but I certainly think that it serves a positive. It, uh, the presidency can serve a very positive purpose. Do you need to be a native Israeli to be president of Israel, Malcolm? You have to, not native, but you have to be Israeli. Oh, so you're one uh, you're one citizenship away from uh, from I like being the house. <laughs> and it's in a good location and has a shul on the ground. Well, that's right. Yes. I had Levy there on Thanksgiving Day. Kosher kitchen. You know, that's well, you know if you end up in the president's house, you know who's going to be protesting all day long outside. One? <laughs> that, that, that'll be me with my very loud voice. I'll find something to yell about. I can tell you that much. How is the defense minister... Uh, Secretary of Defense of the United States um, uh, uh, greeted in Israel. Tell me about the Netanyahu-Hegel discussion. Well, it, I think as, as a number of people pointed out, it's really strange that Hegel, who there were a lot of reservations about his appointment as oh, yeah. Secretary of Defense, has proven to be uh, very positive uh, and, and gets positive marks. He, he spoke yesterday to a joint uh, American and Israeli forces gathering, uh, Air Force Base. There is a uh, Operation uh, Juniper Cobra 14 going on now. These are really uh, extensive joint maneuvers that take place once or twice a year between American and Israeli troops and involve airplanes, ships, m- Marines on the ground, and the, uh, serve a very important purpose for both countries, but also in unifying and bringing the, the uh, forces together. And the Joint Chiefs of Staff was, the Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff was recently there as well. So on the military, intelligence, and other levels, they they are moving ahead. And he made an important statement when he was asked about that stupid story in Newsweek, which is being increasingly debunked, though we knew it wasn't true about Israel spying. And he said he has no evidence and doesn't know anything about any Israeli spying because there isn't. And the the story, just to prove how ludicrous these assertions were, they said that the, the only evidence they, they put forward was supposedly took place in a King David hotel room when Al Gore, then vice president, was visiting. And they came there and they found a guy inside the duct. And when he saw them, he crawled back in the duct and disappeared and put back the cover and disappeared. The fact is there are no ducts in the hotel in, in the King David. <laughs> they, it's a small little vent. So unless he was a miniaturized person, he, there's no way that this story at any veracity at all but the problem is that it gets out there it, it spreads and people well, yeah the question is how it starts from what uh, germ well, whether this was deliberate and who who was behind it the one guy that they quote pilar has a long history of anti-israel bias and um some people said it had to do with the discussion of uh, of the pollard's release other people said it was some incident that occurred whatever it is a story like this is given currency, and then it doesn't die because once it gets out on the internet, it gets repeated and repeated and repeated, and it's uh, it's very hard. The Pope arrives so, in Israel next weekend, right? Not that's right. In the weekend, he you know there's all sorts of controversies uh, about the, about the visit because of the um, leader of the Orthodox Church in, in Beirut wants to come, and the Hamas, Hezbollah is warning him not to come. Ooh. And, uh, you know, there was an attack on Christians uh, uh, who were celebrating a holiday uh, yet, the day before yesterday, and, and the local Muslims in this Nazareth area threw stones on them, 
and somebody said, well, they, they, somebody tried to park a car. Others said that, uh, that this was in Bethlehem, actually, that uh, they tried to enter the church, and they were asked to, to stay outside and ended up in this uh, confrontation. And, and also, you see the lack of reaction. There's this pregnant woman in Sudan who married a Christian man, and the, they sentenced her to death. They were going to execute her, but they, they stayed the execution for two years because she was pregnant until she gives birth because then otherwise they'd be killing the baby. But they gave her four days and say, either you recant your, your religion or you're dead. And yet, you see this, this um, almost non-reaction to this horrific act. And, and now this woman will sit two years waiting to, to, to be killed, which is also an inhumane uh, uh, development. Maybe, maybe the Prime Minister can uh, give the Pope a few lessons on how Christians should be dealing with threats of terrorism. Well, you know, the Vatican has spoken out on some of these incidents, but certainly there isn't the kind of mobilization and, and outrage, whether it's about the cops, whether it's about people or the Christians in Nigeria, when we talk about these, right. the situation of the girls. I mean, the Christians have been killed there, and uh, and have done some killing. But the, the overall in, in the, the Middle East, where we see these kind of outrages and the the lack of reaction and, and even the growing acceptance. You know, Iran can carry out all these attacks. Now we see that Zarif, the foreign minister, is being invited to Saudi Arabia, which should send really shockwaves around that people have to understand that this is, I think, a slap at the United States and the West and it's an expression of their frustration and perhaps the fear that, that Iran is going to emerge out of all this. It could be just a show. Um, because Saudi Arabia is very critical of the process between Iran and the P5 plus one and the deal, the interim deal itself. Um, and they've always been the subject of Iranian attacks of late, um, that the Saudi Arabia is conspiring with Israel against Iran. And now they're going to invite this guy, Zarif, the foreign minister, to come there. That would, if that, in fact, does materialize, it would be a, a very significant development. The other one was that a delegation of Russian uh, military just left uh, Egypt, and they announced that they're going to do joint military exercises, Russia and Egypt in the Mediterranean. This, again, is a message to the United States. It's a reaction to, to, to the West, rather, to, to, about the policies that we've been following, about the, 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 um, that they, they don't have an interest in switching all of their, their arms purchase and their system to Russia. They did that for many years. But I think that they are trying to send a message. Wow, interesting. All right. Um, by the way, some of the people that every once in a while uh, insist that you come in and take questions from our audience are starting to be heard again. So uh, during the month of June, we may have to uh, we may have to impose on you, Mr. Honeline, to come in and uh, hear everybody yell and scream about Jewish and international issues. By the way, when you talked about uh, first of all, you have answer, of course, and second of all, that you saw the poll that sixty-seven percent of Americans side with Israel. In, in about the peace process, about who is responsible, and buy uh, into quite the, a number. Wow! And support the Israeli side versus the third for the Palestinians. That's quite a number. That is a very important number. And now that this issue is coming to a head, and we, we're seeing that they are moving ahead, perhaps on a unity regime, where at least they're saying so. Whether it'll happen, I think is a uh, a big difference. But BB said, "We're going to, to Abbas. We're going to hold you responsible for every rocket. If you have a unity government, that's right. You are to be held to account. And when that's you talk right. about going to the international criminal court, you can be held for all the war crimes and all every Israeli that was killed or injured. Um, 
and the the uh, the fact is that they're continuing to give these huge stipends to murderers, to terrorists. Once they're caught, they get triple the pay of a, of a policeman on on duty today in in the PA. And the members of the of the government talked about that U.S. aid money is being diverted uh, for, for these purposes. The uh, so the. Um, uh, they also have taken some steps on the ground in Gaza where they said that they're working to unify the forces or that uh, Arafat and Abbas's houses in Gaza wow. are being turned back over. To A them. real expansion of the PA government. So, it, it, well, they're talking about something by the end of May. Yeah. I, I can't believe that that's really true. You might have some symbolic gestures. Uh, but if that's the case, that's the end of any chance to talk to him. Well, tell Bibi to keep the pressure on. Well, you said that if you tear up the agreement, then maybe there could be some basis to go back. But I think this thing may have a dynamic that people uh, didn't anticipate. I don't think, again, that you're going to have a unification. I think there's much too much fear of having Hamas right. win in the next election. I think that there's too many vested interests, and Gaza's economic conditions are so terrible. So uh, I, I think we can look at with a little bit of uh, of skepticism about some of the reports and how they're they're being portrayed. Right, but if it does happen, it puts Israel back into a thing. You know, it's happened before. Right, and it would put Israel in a very interesting position. Malcolm, thank you so much. Have a wonderful job. As Malcolm Holmline is executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. It's Friday morning, JM in the AM, candle lighting at seven forty seven on this Erev Shabbos, Parshas Bichu Kosai. Um, Rabbi Yudin asked me to remind everybody that in the Ashkenazi community, we do take haircuts today, if you wish. Yes, yes, yes. There'll be long lines at the barber shops in the Ashkenazi community because Lagba Omer is Sunday. Um, 7.47 candle lighting time with a reminder that coming up at 9 o'clock this morning right here at jmandtheam.org, Naomi Nachman is going to be on, and she'll be doing an amazing show as usual, both Jay Booksbaum and another one of my favorite people. Jay's one of my favorite people because he knows everything about kosher wide. Uh, but she's also going to have, um, uh, what did I do with it? Here we go. She's also going to have the cheese guy, Brent Delman. Another one of my favorite guys. This guy knows everything about kosher cheese. So between Brent Delman and Jay Booksbaum, they're going to be pairing up wines and stuff for Shavuos and doing some great cheese recipes between 9 and 10 this morning right here at JM. And the AM Saturday night, Siegel tomorrow night at 10 with Avrami. And don't forget Matis. He's got Ellie Gerstner as his special guest talking about the big Lag Bohmer parade. That's Sunday morning on JM Sunday. Matis Weingast with special guest Ellie Gerstner with brand new music and more. And that's happening between 7 and 9 a.m. on our stream this coming Sunday morning, JM in the AM with a uh, happy birthday wish. That's right. We've got a happy birthday wish. And this one is, um, here we go. This one is um, from listener Cena down in Florida wishing their youngest grandson, Sfieli Melech, a very, very spectacular first birthday. Mazdav to mommy, tati, and siblings. We were happy we got to spend Pesach. With you, and can't wait to see you again. That's from Bubby and Zadie, Florida, as they always say. And um, we say happy birthday from all of us here at JM in the AM. This time each and every Friday morning, every era of Shabbos, with great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Uden, spiritual leader of Congregation Shomrei Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Uden. Good morning, Nachum. Good Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Parshas Kosai. It is Shabbos Chazak. We have the privilege of completing the third book of the Torah. 
according to the Chinuch, Parshas Pechu Kosai contains seven positive mitzvos and five prohibitions. You have in Parshas Bechu Kosai the Toch First the brachos, the blessings, which we will focus on, please God, in a few moments. And then the tochacha, the list of curses that God says will befall the Jewish people if unfortunately they will not keep His laws. Your very being in the land of Israel is conditional. You keep Torah and mitzvot, the land is yours. Unfortunately, if you abrogate the laws of our Torah, you will be, as we're told at the end of Parshas Achrimos, and told again in this week's Parsha, in the Tochacha, that you will be sent into exile. Parenthetically, the Torah repeats again, very, very specifically, that while you are in exile, the land will get the Shemitah, the years of sabbatical and rest that it did not have while you were in the land it will get these years of Shemitah in your absence I must share with you an exciting Pasuk within the Tochacha this is chapter 26 Pasuk 32 a Pasuk which is literally worth dancing God promises the Jewish nation that even though you will be exiled from the land, what will the land be? The land will be desolate. And Hashem is going to make it that way. And your enemies who dwell upon it, who will try to settle the land, who will try to grow from the land, the land will be desolate. And Rashi tells us on Vashimosi Aniyasa Oretz, the Rashi of Pasuk 32, Zumi Tova Li Yisrael. This is a good omen and good news for the Jewish people. Shlo Yimtsu Ha'oyevim Nachas Ruach Be'artsam. Our enemies will not find satisfaction in our land. Shetei Shomemo while we are gone they will not be able to have any kind of a mainstay in the land and throughout the centuries all different empires and peoples and governments tried to no avail God did his he babysat the land for us and therefore how privileged we are that in Tavshin in 1948, there we were able to proclaim, and the world was able to help establish the state of Israel, because God kept His word as found in this week's parsha. The parsha begins with Imbuchu which means very literally, if you will follow my statutes and you are going to keep the mitzvot of the Torah. So God says, what's going to happen then? If you take a look 
at the beginning of the parsha, and literally, I will provide your rains in their time. And the land will give forth its produce. And and the tree of the field will give its fruit. Now, what trees are we talking about? So instinctively, you're going to tell me, of course, the fruit trees. Look at the Rashi, another one worth dancing for. Rashi tells you this is Ilone Sruk. This is talking about trees which are not fruit-bearing trees. Even the non-fruit-bearing trees will bear fruit. Now, the Ramban tells us in his commentary at the beginning of the parsha, and especially on the verse, Vishbati Chayo Ra'o Mina Oretz, the Torah says that among the blessings that God is going to provide for the people and the land of Israel is found in verse 6, whereby wild beasts Hashem will cause to withdraw from the land. Now what does this mean? So the Ramban brings a machlokes between Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Shimon. Rabbi Yehuda says that he's going to remove them literally from the land, meaning that they're not going to come into the land. Why? Because since the land is going to be populated and it's going to be full of blessings, the the city's full of people, so the wild beasts will not come into inhabited places. But according to Reb Shimon, and this is our Reb Shimon Bar Yochoi, whose yard site is this Sunday on Lagbomer. So according to Reb Shimon, he says that Vishbati Chayo Ro'a Mino Oretz, what does it mean? It means not like Reb Yehuda says, but rather Hashem will cause the Ro'a, the evil of the Chaya, of the beasts, to cease out of the land. Meaning that there's going to be a change in the nature of these animals. Now what does that mean? He says, and the Ramban likes Reb Shimon's interpretation as opposed to Reb Yehuda. He says this is the correct interpretation. Why? For when Israel observes the mitzvos. The land of Israel, listen carefully now to the words of the Ramban, will be like the world was at its beginning, literally in Gan Eden, before the sin of Adam Arishon, when at that time no wild beast or creeping thing would kill a man. Namely, God decreed and God said that the animals are to eat vegetation, period. It wasn't until, unfortunately, man sinned and his nature changed and this brought about a change in the entire natural order. And so the Ramban is telling us that there is such an incredible capacity that through the Jewish people observance of Torah, there's going to be a complete transformation, or saying it better, 
restoring, restoration going back to what life was like in Gan Eden. Because after all, listen carefully, it does make sense. God and His Torah are one. Kuchabricho the Oraisa, as the Zohar teaches, Chadhu. They are one. And therefore, as God is certainly above the natural, is not bound by nature as we understand it, the Torah as well is not bound by the natural laws. And therefore, when the Jewish people connect themselves to Torah, they are therefore no longer bound by the usual restrictions of nature. Now the truth of the matter is, this coming Sunday is Lag Bomer. We celebrate Lag Bomer because, and most people will answer, because the 24,000 students of Rabbi Akiva, who died between Pesach and Shavuos, and many say they died for a period of 33 days. Lag Baomer, Lag is 33. This Sunday, the 33rd day of the Omer, and therefore we celebrate the fact that they stopped dying. But many of the commentaries say, wait a second, it goes one step beyond, and that is the Talmud teaches us in Yevamos 62b that when they stopped dying, Rabbi Akiva, who was an elderly man at this time, who very well could have, quote, thrown in the towel and said, all right, now it's up to a much younger man to complete the job, but that's not what he does. What does he do? He literally follows that which we find in the book of Koheles, Ecclesiastes, chapter 11, Pasuk 6, Baboker Zara Literally, in the morning, what shall you do? Sow your seed. And in the evening, Don't be idle. Meaning, don't stop. So in the morning of his life, he had 24,000 students. And now that he'd lost them all, he could have said, let somebody else take over. No. But he went and he ordained, he gave smicha to five more of his students in the south and it's from these five students including Reb Shimon Bar Yochai who was one of them pinch yourselves that we are here today and Torah is here today so Rabbi Kiva who represents this incredible sense of resiliency and this is what we celebrate on Lag Bomer the resiliency of our people his student, Reb Shimon Bar Yochai, epitomizes the ability of man by his connecting with Torah to rise above nature. And so the Talmud teaches us, easy to remember, Daf Lamed Gimel 33, in Shabbos, that when the Romans, Yemach Shemam, were trying to catch Rabbi Shimon, and they had a death warrant for his life. Miraculously, he and his son 
were maintained and lived for 10 years in the cave. And at that time, he, Reb Shimon, revealed Torah's Hasod. He brought down the Zohar and the Torah of what you would call the secrets of Torah were brought down to this world. But I really believe that if you ask yourself approximately how many Jews, and this crosses all lines from observant to not yet observant, from those who are Hasidi to those who are not Hasidi, all kinds of Jews, approximately how many will flock to Meiron, the place of the burial of Reb Shimon Bar Yochai? And the answer is close to half a million. That's correct. Now ask yourself, what is the incredible draw that people have towards this man? And I really believe that it was not just his incredible love for the land of Israel, for the people Israel, and for the Torah of Israel, but it was that he epitomizes the ability of man to rise above the natural. And I really think that the lesson that Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochoi is teaching is that each and every individual has to aspire, has to try to look higher. And wherever you are, and don't look at the next person, because each person has their own individual tafkid. Each person has their own individual purpose of being in this world. And what the person next to you and in front of you and in back of you, yours is very different from them. But wherever you are, each and every one of us, myself included, wherever you are, at whatever station you are in in life, ask yourself on this Erev Shabbos, as we approach Lagba Omer, how can I emulate Reb Shimon, and how can I climb this rung ever higher? And the fact that he represents this incredible love, as we made mention, and the ability of man to literally ascend wherever he is. And when you look at that half a million people, each one looking, pining to grow, what a very special day this is. A day which reflects our resiliency, a day which reflects a beautiful unity of Klai Yisrael preparing us, Emir Hashem, for a more meaningful Kabbalah's HaTorah. Shabbat Shalom and Shabbat Chazak to all. He was a 40-year-old man, Akiva was his name. No scholar, he no saint, a shepherd by his trade. But one day he went down to the riverside, 
He saw crevice stones from the water's tide And he felt the strength he had inside He knew then that it's not too late To reach the sky So he left his wife and went To study by the wise And they watched his knowledge grow And the brilliance in his eyes For twelve long years he learned the law And his mind grew strong, his spirit soared When he came home as he stood by the door He heard his wife say, I gladly give a dozen more. From far and wide they came to him, the people of his nation, for he had become the leader of his generation. But the Romans came with an iron hand And the study of Torah, it was banned Yet of his people he did demand Don't leave the waters of your faith You'll be like a fish on land So they tortured him with combs of steel, payment for his crime. But through his pain, he taught us all a legend for all time. With his students by his side, his eyes were closed, his head held high. Without a sound, without a cry, Hashem on his lips That's how he died J.M. in the A.M. The Rebbe Akiva selection from that classic Journey's very first album. Please keep in mind Zahava Bas Saranecha for a Shlema. Zahava Bas Saranecha for a Shlema. We thank you, of course, for that. Want to again wish a mazel tov to Yehuda Rosenbaum, whose bar mitzvah is tomorrow. Mazel tov to Bela and Reb Meish Rosenbaum. Uh, they'll be celebrating tomorrow. We look forward to seeing them. And then Sunday we'll be with Yonatan Shlomo Katz. Mazel tov to Dina and Ari out there in Teaneck. As they get set for the big bar mitzvah celebration on Sunday, we say mazel tov from all of us here. At JM and the AM. As I mentioned earlier, Assemblyman Michael Samanowitz invites you to a Queens Community Health and services fair happening Sunday, 11 a.m. until 2 p.m. at the Electrical Industry Center Auditorium on Parsons Boulevard in Flushing. Information 718-969-1508, 718-969-1508. Yachad's Lagba Omer Creative Arts Fair happens at the Ivdu Girls School on East 14th Street in Brooklyn starting at 12 noon this coming Sunday. You can contact them for information in Brooklyn, New York. The Lagba Omer Bonfire and Barbecue presented by Briss Avram, 
happens at uh, 5 p.m. this coming Sunday at Congregation Shomri Torah, Ohel Yosef Yitzchak on Salem Avenue in Hillside, New Jersey. You can contact Brit Avram for information about that. And Matis is going to be speaking on Sunday with Ellie Gerstner. The Great Log Bomer Parade is happening this uh, Sunday. They'll talk about that. They'll talk about Ellie Gerstner's uh, brand-new music. They'll have a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, that'll be discussed during JM Sunday happens between 7 and 9 a.m. Eastern time this coming Sunday morning on our stream at jmandtheam.org. And Mazdov again to Lenny Solomon, the king of Schlock, playing his 50th state. And we had the privilege of speaking with him live via telephone. Where was he this morning again? I forgot. Montana? <laughs> somewhere like Somewhere out there. And he'll be spending Shabbos in Albuquerque in advance of Sunday's official 50th state celebration. Schlockrock will have played in all 50 states of the U.S. Pretty amazing. Friday morning, JM in the AM. We do take haircuts today in the Ashkenazi community. That's right. Because Lagba Omer is Sunday. It's day 31 in the counting of the Omer. Four weeks and three days. We forgot to count last night. Make sure to do so sometime today. It's Arab Shabbos Parshas Buchu Kosai. As we close out the book of Vayikra. Candle lighting at 747. Make sure you know when things start where you are. And, of course, Sunday, enjoy, everybody. It'll be an amazing Lagba Omer day, I am sure. Uh, make sure to be uh, tuned into our stream all day long at jmtheam.org. Naomi Nachman is coming up next, 10 minutes from now on our stream at jmtheam.org with uh, her incredible Table for Two program. Jay Booksbaum of Royal Wines. Brent Delman, the cheese guy, will speak with Naomi about Shvuist. Shvuis, cheese, wine, etc., etc. All coming up next if you keep it at jmandtheam.org.
Jam in the AM. There he is, the great Ben Sanchenker, of course, closing things out for us on a Friday morning as we start to wind things down. Naomi Nachman is next, and ZK just told me that the uh, they'll be at a you'll be able to watch, not just hear Naomi, you'll be able to watch Naomi and her show with. Uh, <laughs> there's the sorry about that wrong selection. Uh, you'll be able to watch Naomi and her conversation with Jay and the Cheese Guy. Uh, coming up on uh, on our stream. Uh, if you want to watch it, not just hear it, but watch it, go to NahumSiegel.com, and uh, you'll be able to uh, to check out the actual live video streaming as that show goes on. should be on the homepage right now at NahumSiegel.com. All right, time to say good Chavez. It's Journeys at JM in the AM. The sun is going down It's shining through the trees Another week's gone by Become a memory So throw away your hammer There's nothing left to do Go on home and find a gift That's waiting there for you Say good job Cause all your work is done Gonna spend the day Together with The Holy One Say special blessing On a cup That's filled with wine Man and his creator It's a very special sign your candles will be burning They'll fill your home with light Singing songs of Shabbos Well into the night So throw away your hammer There's nothing left to do Go on home and find a gift That's waiting there for you Oh Cause all your work is done Gonna spend the day together with the Holy One Say special blessing on a cup that's filled with wine Man and his creator is a very special sign
Brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial and around the world on the web, jmtheam.org. And that wraps up an amazing week for us here at JM and the AM. Don't forget Naomi is next with a great table for two edition, then an entire day of amazing pre logba Omer music on our stream for an era of Shabbos at jmnam.org. Uh, tomorrow night, Avrami hosts Saturday Night Seagull for Lagba Omer starting at 10 p.m. Eastern Time on our stream. And Matis has Ellie Gerstner as a special guest on Lagba Omer Sunday, JM Sunday, starting at 7 a.m. Eastern Time on the stream at jmnam.org. Hey, Mazel Tov to Charlie Aptowitzer and Sheila, Lef- Sheila Lefkowitz. Charlie Aptowitzer and Sheila Lefkowitz are getting married this Sunday. Charlie, Sheila, Mazal Tov to you from all of us here at JM in the AM. Have a wonderful Shabbos, great weekend. Enjoy Lagbo, Marital. Next week, Nahum Siegel reminding you remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.